Hello, I'm Sinead. And I'm Brian. Each week we introduce each other to a film that we love. If the other's not equally enamoured, it could mean the end of our 22-year relationship. Warning, there will be spoilers, swearing and undoubtedly arguments. This is Reasons to Dump You. Hello everyone. Hello everyone, we're back. Hello indeed, welcome back. That has been a quick week. That's just gone. Whoosh. I know, right? It just went. Whoosh. Yeah, like Roadrunner. I mean, well, a little bit. Mm. Um, so, season two, episode two, very exciting because it's my choice this week. Okay, I'm nervous. Yeah, the big man himself has got it going on. The big B man, yes. big B man's choice. B dog, B unit, and all those sort of things. Okay. Yeah, I know. Making up my own names. We're we're, uh, we're not American, Brian. Let's just take it down a notch. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's whoop and holler. <laughs> Have you got some clues? For yeah. Me? <laughs> no. Um, yes, I do. So, here we go. Clue number one. This film was released in October 1955. Oh, it's a classic. It is a classic. One month after its leading actor died. Oh no. Leading actor died, 55. Clue two. Okay. I'm not going to give you time. (laughs) Don't give her time to think. No. This film is a mixture of two different ideas, Mm -hmm. one of which was a book that was originally released in 1945 about a real-life gangster Mm -hmm. that was optioned by Warner Brothers in 1946 and then shelved by them in 1949. Real life gangster. That makes me think Cagney, but I think 55 is too late for James Cagney. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And not quite that level of gangster. Oh, okay, okay. Not, yeah. not mobster. Yeah, we're not talking mafiosi here okay. by any stretch. Well, you do love a little bit of mafiosi. I do. And be warned, it will appear <laughs> at some point. Clue three. Clue three. The film was shot in colour. Oh. Now, originally, they started shooting in black and white. Right. Using CinemaScope. When they realised that to film in Cinemascope, the lease of Cinemascope said that you had to film in colour. Okay. So they changed from black and white to colour, which the director wasn't a fan of. Okay. Very much a re- realism. So you wanted, they wanted to film it in black and white. Yeah, they did to add gritty realism. But they changed to colour uh, halfway through and therefore certain aspects of the film, such as like the budget for the extras, was cut and so you don't get as many of those. Oh. That was a very long-winded clue. Yeah, well, it was quite complicated. Yeah, it really it? was. Um, Basically, it was shot in colour when it was started in black and white. Okay. I, I'm honestly completely clueless. I can't think of anything. Gangs, West Side Story, but it's not that. To be honest, I'm pretty clueless myself now after confusing myself for that <laughs> last uh, clue. But no, the film we are watching today... Is... Rebel Without a Cause. James Dean! Mr. Dean himself. Of course, Rebel Without a Cause. What was I thinking? Yeah, the legend, the man that is James Dean. Obviously was died in the car crash just before this was released. Yeah, of course. And we saw a papier-mâché of his head yesterday. We did. We did. I mean, not that convincing. Not the greatest. Rather overpriced. (laughs) And I would say it was a bust rather than just a head. Yeah, it was a bust actually, yes. I mean, not as in it was bad. (laughs) bust even though it wasn't great but you know what I mean well I'm glad I had the label telling me it was James Dean because otherwise I'm not sure I would have yeah 100% known who it was yeah. okay well yeah I'm looking forward to that let's go watch Fantastic. Rebel Without Cause and then have a little chinny chinny chinwag about it oh I love a chinny chinny <laughs> chinwag okay guys we will see you in approximately 4.786 seconds so start your watches now now 
How was that? Whoa. Whoa, indeed. Never did I realise how how much could happen in just one day. I know, right? Crazy. How, how did all of this happen in one day? It's the 50s, man. It's I, what they do. They get on with shit. No, no, no shit shit. <laughs> Seriously, I couldn't believe it. When we got yeah. to the part where she sort of said... Um, Oh, I don't remember what she said, but she said something about it, you know, this morning or... Well, yeah, I think it was him, actually. He said, oh, I can't believe I looked out the window this morning and you were there. This morning? We've had death, we've had love, we've yeah. had police chases. We had three night scenes <laughs> before it reached the evening. I don't quite know how. He was racing at eight and he was laying in his bed and all the lights were off and I was just, go with it, it's... Even though they're in California, this is an English winter. This is an English winter. Real time. Yeah, First real was, time film. It was, um, it was very strange, but it was very, very, very cool. And I think there's a couple of big things we can pick out of it, which is why I love watching it this time around. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not a story you can waffle on about because it's very short and to the point and succinct. But I think there's a couple of themes that I'd really like to touch on. Okay, before you do that... Go on. Can you give me a little synopsis of the film? Oh, yeah, why not? Let's do that. So I've got a synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes. And it goes a little something like this. After moving to a new town, troublemaking teen Jim Stark is supposed to have a clean slate, although being the new kid in town brings its own problems. While searching for some stability, Stark forms a bond with a disturbed classmate, Plato, and falls for local girl, Judy. However, Judy is the girlfriend of neighbourhood tough, Buzz, and when Buzz violently confronts Jim and challenges him to a drag race, the new kid's real troubles begin. Now you have to excuse the fact that tough is not a word I would use (laughs) every day, that's a very American phrase a neighborhood tough but i think we all know what it is i thought maybe it was thug well yeah it came across between tough thug and though okay. so we kind of ended up being a thug so maybe that's just a new brand of, yeah it's just my new, new type brand of, of hard guy. guy you know but there you go so yeah so i mean i'll start at the beginning but it's a very good place to start it is but i'm not going to dwell there for long but the opening sequence not the scene necessarily not the bit with the little monkey i was going to say the opening scene though yeah, I, I think looks fantastic. It looks amazing. It, yeah. James Dean kind of collapses onto the floor next to the little monkey that clangs cymbals together, and he basically puts him to bed and then kind of falls down next to him. I just thought, even now, I thought that actually looked incredibly modern. Yeah, it does, and and there's a lot of symbology in that for me. That's right, symbology. I will be coming back to it. Why? But you I don't deep think early. I know, right? Even though I've heard that it was ad libbed as such. Uh, yeah, well, I read. Do you want a fact about yeah, that? Yeah, go on then. Um, yes, I read that that wasn't scripted. That's very short opening. Yeah. Was, it wasn't even a scene, really, was it? No. Um, credit, credit sequence. Um, they'd been shooting for 24 hours and James Dean said, can I try something? Yeah. Um, and he put the monkey down on the ground and came along, crawled towards it and lay down with it. So it was, yeah, ad, what do you call Ad libbed is, is normally yes. verbal, isn't it? So ad, ad acting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, made up on the spot. But yeah, I think I I think that that whether it was accidental mm. or not, mm. I think the symbology of the the small monkey, mm-hmm. you know, that representation of early man being put to bed while he oh. is next to it. I oh. know. I know, dark. And you... I'm going to dip into that shizzle. I love that. Yeah. So that was that was 
early man, old-fashioned yep. world being put to bed. Being put to bed by this James new Dean was as, younger uh, man, as teen life <gasps> that's coming through. Okay, okay. Go and he even held on to it. Yes, so then the opening scene is that he gets brought into the police station yep. because he's drunk yep. on the streets and he doesn't want to let go of the monkey. No, because he doesn't want to let go of the early version of himself. He doesn't want to let go of that sort of man. Oh. But that's why he's so confused. But is so that confused. not what he's railing against? Exactly. That's why he's so confused in it. This kid's confused the whole time, he's right? He's so confused. So confused. He wants his dad to give him guidance, but his dad's weak. He wants his dad to be tough, but he doesn't want to be a tough guy. He doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want to keep moving. He, I mean, I'm going to go into this. Okay. But yeah, I think that was no thing. But no um, coincidence. But I thought the police station scene... Yes was just such a brilliant, succinct way to get everybody shown to you as the viewer and to quickly lay out what this film's about. You know, youth culture, um, male identity, the role of the father in a family, which is a little bit old-fashioned now, I'd probably say, bravely, um, in terms of not having a father, but its role within the family. Well, the traditional gender role of the father being the breadwinner, being the... Yeah, the one who solves the, the problems, mat. the yeah, one who exactly. gets you out of trouble yeah, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, we've um, moved far from that. So, But obviously, you know, this is 50s America, so... Exactly, yeah. About, and I think that that opening sequence where, you know, you learn so much about James Dean's character, Jim. You... Yeah learned so much about Plato um, or Scott I think was his real name but he said he's, they call him Plato yeah they call him Plato anyway, I can't remember what this is uh, and, and Judy where they all come from a family that on the outside seems like a really well to do middle class you've got it sorted family but actually they're all cracked well yes and actually that's a little fact I can I can give you do this, go on well this was kind of the first time that audiences had seen Bad kids from good families. So one of the taglines for this film is the bad boy from a good family. Right. So previously, kind of the juvenile delinquent had been portrayed as coming from the rough neighbourhoods or, you know, the bad side of town. Whereas this film, they were very much middle class, weren't they? I mean, Plato was was upper class. Yeah. I mean, he was being brought up by the family maid. Yeah, I know. And Judy, actually, I think they had staff as well, didn't they? At the dinner scene, I think there was the maid sort of hovering in the background. So this was very much, um, you know, delinquents or problem kids or however you want to phrase it. you know, can come from these, you know, as you've just said, these perceived good middle class type families. Yeah, totally. And and the way that to, to, to bring them in, you know, the fact that she wanted, even though her dad apparently ru- nearly rubbed the lips off her face, she was saying. I oh, mean, so he was actually physically abusive. Yeah, she called her a little tramp. Yeah, but like the physical abuse yeah, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And yet he was the one she wanted to come and collect her, mm. not the mother. Mm. The fact that, and maybe this film's a little misogynistic in that respect, the fact that James Dean's constantly looking for the approval of his father mm. and the mother dominates him and he's so embarrassed that the mother dominates his father. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure what to do with that at the beginning. No, I'm not. Yeah. And then also Plato, whose dad's not a good guy, is 
gone off or had like an just affair completely or, absent. Yeah, he's absent. Yeah. But the mum's then run away as well. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't care. And, it, and you find out he's still sending a check. So the dad's not a bad guy. He's still sending a significant check. Yeah. But she's just disappeared and yeah. leaves him with a mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the women in this are not good people, but the men. Yeah. I mean, it's a male identity piece. I've mentioned it once. <laughs> yeah. I'll mention it again and again and again. But wow. Wow. Yeah. And for its era, treble wow. Now, not so... Big shit, but wow. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. No. But then also, what I found a little disturbing is when you know a little bit about the backstory of the film, I found it a little bit disturbing. I found Judy's scenes quite disturbing, given what I read. Okay, so did you read, so Judy, played by Natalie Wood, who at the time was 16. Yes. You obviously read what I read, which was that... Um, the director. The director. 44 of, years. Oh, uh, well, I had him at 42. But oh, you know what? Okay. Those two years make no difference no. to the to, to the shock of this. That, that yes, that um, there was something going on between the two of them yes. during the filming of this, yes. which is incredibly disturbing. Which is why also a lovely and fantastic actor, Mr. Hopper, only got one line. Oh, so yeah. So Dennis Hopper played yeah. one of the... Thugs. Th- thugs, yeah, yeah. One of the local gangs that Judy was originally kind of hanging around with. Yeah. Um, so they were meant to be, they were in a relationship. Natalie so, Wood yeah. and Dennis Hopper were From in a relationship. What, what I read, and I'm by no means quoting this word for word yeah. or saying that it's fact. But from what I read, Hopper and Natalie Wood were in a relationship yeah. of sorts, as much as you can be at 16, 17 years old, 18, yeah. whatever he was. Um the director started having... Nicholas Ray. Nicholas Ray started having Whoopi with Natalie Wood, which, I mean, is wrong on every level. Hopper caught them. Right. Apparently. Okay. Um, and lost his shit, so... His part... Ray got... sacked him. But right. Warner Brothers really liked him, so they said, no, he's in the film. Right. That's not an option. So that's why he... I think... He was meant to be a much bigger role, like Crunch or someone like that. Right. But that's why he got punted down to a nothing role with one line. Yeah, I was going to say, because he... It was only sort of towards the end of the film that I actually even noticed him. And even then I couldn't place who he was. I had to check at the end. But I was just like, oh, I know him from somewhere. It's incredibly disturbing. It's incredibly disturbing. But as we have come to discover, there is a lot of disturbing stuff that... Went on in Hollywood. Went on. Well, not just in Hollywood. But yeah, yeah. but... um, yeah, it's it is yeah, it's incredibly problematic. I mean, you know, and also uh, from what I read as well, this Ray fella, Nicholas Ray, spent a lot of time in New York smoking dope, right, with James Dean. Okay, and they would just spend days together smoking dope and writing this and working together. Right. And it was even rumours that James Dean also had a bit of a fling with Natalie Wood, so it was all a little okay. bit weird. I mean, that's a deep dive for another time, isn't yeah, it? Because I don't really think is. we can kind of cover that. It really here. is. But the only reason I brought it up, yeah, was because of this male identity thread, mm. more like a cord, more mm. like a rope <laughs> that I saw, more like an anchor. <laughs> I know that I saw going through the entire film. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, I focused more on the sense of the teenager yeah and 
the generation gap between young and old yeah. and about how, and obviously because this was 50s America, it's the birth of the teenager, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the birth of that culture and about the fact that the world is beginning to change, which is what you've kind of touched upon. Yeah. Um, and about the fact that the two worlds just don't understand each other um, and it causes all this friction yeah. um, and all this discord and violence and, and drama. So I... I viewed it very much more from that point of view, but I completely agree with you about the representation of of men and this, yeah, the the father totally. image being, you know, because that was the, you know, our three main characters, Jim, Judy, and Plato. Plato, um, yeah, they're they're all we meet them all in relation to them talking about their parents, more important, more pointedly, their fathers, um, yeah. And the relationships that they do or actually don't have with them. Yeah. So. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm going to talk about it because I think it's important. They basically all have this thing where it seems to be. I don't know whether the director intended this or the writer, but basically the men are to blame for this gap, for this confusion that that the the characters the main characters have you know it's almost like um natalie wood's character has been a bit of a loose slut if you like because her father won't show her any attention yeah they well, even say it at the yeah beginning. i was gonna say that's the implication at the beginning isn't it she, yeah. she's dressed completely in red she's got this bright red lipstick yeah they've they've brought her into the station where there's a counselor um, but brought her into the station for little more than just being out late at night yes um, and yeah, and she she emotionally tells the officer that um, her father called her a little tramp. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, and and he said basically he because I even wrote, did he just accuse her of being a prostitute? Well, that's what I wondered, and I thought that no, that can't be. I don't think that was actually what was happening, but I think as a modern audience, that's how we initially read it until right. our brain kind of goes, no, I don't, I don't think that's. Yeah, what's I thought going he is here. a spot on counselor. This guy. <laughs> So your dad beat you, basically, yeah, basically. called you a tramp. Yeah. You left the house in yeah. a half. Are you being a prostitute? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, must, wow. must all be your fault. Must yeah. all be your fault. I'm going to go um, and phone your father now. You know, but they, they, they've said that because of him, you know, this is why she's out. Then because of Jim's father mm-hmm. not being able to make a decision and stand up to his wife and mother. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, I know. That his son's gone off the rails and that's why he makes decisions and he decides what he's going to be because you're not weak and strong enough to show him the way. Yeah. And the other one, Plato, whose father's not around at all, strong insinuation that he's confused. That's right, I've done air quotations, which yeah. are a fat lot of use on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confused uh, as in gay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he is gay, isn't he? I, yeah. read, I read the character as gay. Yeah. But yeah, you're saying that, that it was... it was Because he doesn't have that male role. Insinuated in, in a confused... Yeah, that in, he's in the confused. Fact that he he's a confused not, young man. Yeah, yeah, that 50s, like, well, he's probably not. But, you know, he's confused that he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he even throws his affection at Jim, Plato, mm, mm. and kind of says to him, well, if you'd have been my dad, and he's like, what are you talking about? Mm. And it's like that whole, like, oh, my God, like that, they're even claiming that confusion of love, even for a gay person. He's like, oh, well, you're just looking for a father figure. Yeah, you're figure. looking for a father figure. I mean, he was I mean, clearly was in love weird. with Jim, though, wasn't he? Oh, no, 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 he yeah. was, he was. And apparently I read that in the script or an early version or when they were shooting originally, they wanted 
him to kiss Plato. Oh, really? But they were like, no. That yeah, I was going to say, that wouldn't have gone down in, in 55, would it? I no. wouldn't have thought. Um, would have been genius, though. No, they no, they definitely should have done it. Um, I saw a quote, actually, from Sal, who played Plato. Oh, yeah. Um, and talking about the character, he said he was, in a way, the first gay teenager on film. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's no, there's really no other way to read that no. other other than he he is a gay teen, perhaps struggling, you know, with his with his sexuality and his identity in fifties America. Well, you can see why. I mean, even the scene with the mum and dad of Natalie Wood, Judy. Yeah. When he called at her from the bedroom, they were in twin beds. Oh yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to. Um, Haze code. Yeah, Haze code. but what I wanted to say was, so the Haze code is obviously uh, what was put in place to ensure yeah. that you know. Yeah, no naked men. No, yeah, no. obscenities or, or inappropriateness was shown on screen. Yeah. So that's why you get the two single beds for yeah. the um, married couple. Yeah. Um, but then Judy goes into her room. She's got a whacking great big double bed. Oh, I know. And I just thought, what? Why not? Why not write into the Hayes Code? All beds must be single because it doesn't make any sense that a teenager would have a lovely great big double bed and mum and dad, dad are in two singles, or or put mum and dad into in two doubles. Give them a double each. I mean, I'm not sure that's what we should be focusing on is the production designer single versus double. I mean, I'm not being funny. I would not have been comfortable in that little tiny bed. But can you imagine that role of Plato Hmm. in that era? I can't imagine what sort of shit that that poor guy who played Plato would have got as well. Yeah. I think he did a great job. I think he did a bang-up job. He did an amazing job. Um... I think he was a bit confused. In terms of... Oh, sorry. And that's what I was going to say. Talking of confused. Yeah. Um, they even did that at the end. I don't know whether that was just... It sort of blew my mind a little bit, in a way, um, where he's got the odd socks. One red sock, one blue yeah, sock. Yeah, one red sock, one blue sock. Yeah. So he doesn't know which way he wants to go. Ha, yeah, ha, ha, and Jim all... and Judy notice. Yeah, and they laughing, which I find very weird. But then he goes, yeah, but we've all been like that sometimes. And I thought, oh my god, the okay. new man who yeah. is not scared of Plato, even though he's, you know, he realizes he's, he's not he's a bad kid. Him, he yeah. doesn't mean any harm. Um, blah 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 blah. But at the same time, it, that that just that phrase where we've all been a bit like that. Some I've been like that. Sometimes. Yeah, she, I didn't yeah, think about I it that thought, deeply at the time. Yeah. Wow, like. Is that yeah. the bigger hint of like everybody's, everybody's got a bit of that in them? Everybody's you know. confused. Everybody's yeah, trying it, to figure it, themselves well, out. Male identity. Um, yeah, no, totally. But talking about the Hayes Code and, um, you know, what can be on screen and not. Yeah. Apparently, um, here in the UK, here in the good old UK, yeah. the BBFC did an awful lot of cuts to this film. I'm not surprised. Uh, for it to be allowed into the cinemas. Um not exclusively, but including cutting the entirety of the knife scene. Wow. I mean, how you can do that <laughs> and get any kind of sense of context to the film, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, huge edits to the um, car chicken race. Um, and Just also- to clarify for people who didn't watch it, they're not chickens racing cars <laughs> or they didn't race a car against a chicken. That's because they cut it so you didn't get to see that yeah. scene. No, the, the drag race. Mm-hmm. Um, where they play chicken to bail out of the car. Massive edits to that. Um, and also lots of cuts to um, James Dean fighting with his father. Um, and yeah, all the sort of 
aggression. Well, that's funny then, isn't it, that we're sitting here taking the piss out of Americans in the Hayes Code. I know. But yet, when we it got were, here, we yeah, exactly. Apparently, the knife fight scene was um, put back into it in '67. Wow. Exactly, a decade later. When knives were invented. Um, when knives were first shipped to the UK. <laughs> yeah, and um, since 1986, it's had a PG rating. Well, maybe that's why everybody's got such a you know penchant for the steel. For the blade in good old London town. Well, because we've only just well, seen we, it. We only just got them in 1967. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so. yeah, no, but I was I was surprised it had so many cuts, to be honest with you, because obviously by today's standards, yeah, it really it's very tame, really. I would yeah. say, I would say. But I did. I thought it was. I thought. Sorry, talking about the knife scene, I, I thought that was a really clever, interesting way to play out this new man role. Mm. So Jim, for me, was a new. The Jim, new Jim is the new man, yeah, right? totally, yeah. Um, and when they put a hole in the wheel of, or tire of his car, not in the wheel of his car, in the tire of his car, he just goes down and goes to change it and yeah. says to him, "You need to stop watching so much telly or listening to too much radio or I no, you read too many comics." That oh, was it. Okay. Yeah. Said you've been reading too many comics and just goes to change his wheel. Yeah. And they get the hump and that's when the knife fight. Yeah, and then they sort of throw a knife at him. And even then, he's like, "I don't want to fight with a knife. Mm. I don't want any trouble." And they sort of push him and push him. And then, obviously, the ultimate phrase "chicken" comes out. Um, Yeah, he doesn't like being called chicken, does he? No, he he doesn't. Which is going to bring me on to my. I I can imagine what you're going to say about that. We'll talk about Um, that in a minute. But I just thought that was a really interesting new man scene where his initial reaction was just to watch it from where he was, Mm. kind of this on high observer mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. and these young lads that were fighting ultimately this buzz fella who was the leader of the gang wasn't yeah. a bad guy yeah he just had to prove himself continually according to old stereotypes and i don't know it was interesting because they actually both liked each other yeah exactly exactly well this this was this was sort of where i kind of got stuck into the film. So I yeah. completely agree with what you've said about the masculinity element. And I think you've delved into that um, really well and more than I would have thought about it. But I was thinking about this kind of misunderstood youth. And I, what I wrote down was the fact that they are so bored, they are looking to seek drama out wherever they can find it. Yeah. And that's essentially what the the gang, the, the friends do. Yeah. The, all... James Dean's character does is try and be a bit friendly towards them because he's the new guy in town and then make a joke in the planetarium when they're all in there by impersonating a bull, I think. Yeah. Um, And for that, they decide that they're going to go all out to basically destroy him and get into a knife fight with him. And it's like, why do teenagers do this? It's this kind of... There's nothing. There's nothing better to do. They're bored. They're they're frustrated. They've got all these pent up emotions and hormones running around their bodies, um, and there's no need for any of it. No. But it's their way of sort of expressing themselves. Um, well, it's the Western world, isn't it? They're all looking for guidance. You you have no problems. Yeah. You don't have to deal with anything. Yeah. It's also um, yeah that way of trying to become an adult I suppose it's that kind of belief that this is you know it's that that teenager turning into an adult not really knowing how to do it so thinking that you know yeah I mean I suppose it's very similar to the animal part it's the animal kingdom stuff the animal part of us you know 
when young animals reach a certain age, male animals, they start fighting with the older animals. Yeah, to take... yeah, yeah, territory. Yeah, they roll out. And you, there's that Again, scene so we're with... back to bloody toxic masculinity again. Yeah, but 100%. But this is the point. This is why I think Jim's character is really interesting. Even at the beginning, when he's arrested, he's arrested mm. right at the very beginning for nothing. Mm. They're like, oh, he was just drunk. Mm. Like, yeah, I bet he was fighting. I bet he was with Oh, yeah, drunk, underage drunk, drunk yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But he was just drinking. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, I bet he was doing something. And then he was sort of, you know, making jokes, making noises in the police station. But he wasn't doing anything. And actually, he was quite nice. He tried to offer Plato his his coat. Yeah. You know, it was very good performance in terms of he's misunderstood. He's mm. trying, as the guy said, you just want us to lock you up, don't you? Yeah. Because he doesn't fit. Mm. He, he wants something else. He wants to be forced to have drama like everybody else. You know, he wants... Yeah, exactly. He doesn't feel like he fits in. He's a new world. He doesn't fit in with the old world. Well, yeah. I mean, he says that as well. He said, I wish I felt I belonged and one one day that I didn't feel confused and ashamed. He was confused like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Oh, here we go. I knew it. This is where the call me chicken thing leads you, isn't it? Come on. There were more than one reference to Back to the... Well, Back to the Future had more than one reference to this film, I should say. Yeah, well, obviously, this is a iconic film, so yeah. it's going to be referenced. Set in 1955. Yes. Which is the year he goes back to. Correct. Right? Yeah. One. Yeah, yeah. Two. Okay, yeah, one, totally, yeah. Yeah, two. Yeah. Um, Hang on, I've written them down. Two. Yeah, calling him chicken yeah. makes him go ape shit exactly. and do irrational things. Well, why not? Cool. But, you know... In the end, Marty yeah. learns Oh no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Be the bigger man. Three. Yeah. He comes into town unexpectedly almost overnight. True. Right? Yeah. I'm with Four. you. I'm with you. Biff is the leader of the gang in... Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Buzz is the leader of the gang in this. Yeah. Not a huge difference, one would suggest. No. Both drive a black soft top. Massive 1950s car that everybody piles into from every direction. True. Yeah. Um, they go to the same freaking school because <laughs> even though it's all, got a different name, it's the same building. All American teenagers go to that yeah. school. So whether they pick that for Back to the Future, <laughs> I don't know. And um, and even even the Lorraine Baines dress, when she's walking down the road, she's just bought a dress. There's a scene and he goes, oh, and he's trying to look under a skirt. And I think you look better with nothing on at all. Yeah. And Back to the Future 2, I think it is. Yeah, mostly. She's dressed exactly the same at the drag race in this one. Yeah. Oh, is that just 50s fashion, though? I don't know, though, but it's that pale pink with the light blue. I yeah. don't know. And she's got her hair. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, she loves the new, strange, different guy who wears a red jacket when Marty McFly wears a red life preserver. Oh I just think there's God. so many similarities. I think you need to go away and write a thesis on this. I think I need to get a hold of, what's his face, Mr. Semikis. Bob Gale, actually. I'll get a hold of Bob. And I'll say, Bob, WTF. Yeah. And, and, he'll, he'll, go, go, and he'll go, yeah, of course. I think yeah. that's obvious. Come yeah, on, he'll go, everyone knows that. Yeah, exactly. Someone wrote a story on that in 1987. I'll be like, oh. Um, but talking about um, schools looking the same in different films. Yeah. This isn't about the school, but this is about the mansion that they go to. Oh, yeah. Um did that seem familiar to you in any way? Maybe. Did it make you think of any other film, anything? I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Correct. So, um, the aban- abandoned mansion. Sunset that... Boulevard, that's the one. Exactly. Sorry. 
the abandoned mansion that they go to um, towards the end of the film um, and they walk down into the empty swimming pool. Yes, it was also um, used in Sunset Boulevard. Amazing. The William O. Jenkins house, apparently. Okay. But I thought that was quite cool because it, cool. it did give me that vibe when they went they, when they walked down into the um, dra- drained pool. Yeah. I thought, oh, maybe makes me think Sunset Boulevard. So it was quite random then to see that it actually was, um, yeah, used in that film. And what did you make of the ending? So I love the fact it was sorry. So at the end, when he, the young confused lad, shot a few bullets off, injured a kid in the house. So Plato. Shoots yeah. the gun. Yeah, because yeah. he's trying to defend himself yeah. and his friends. Um, gets confused, gets mixed up, doesn't know who is who, who are his friends, who are his enemies anymore. Yeah. I mean, wow. So true of anyone who's in that situation. Mm. Runs off, hides in the planetarium where they were earlier. Loved the use of the planetarium. Yeah, Thought it was great. genius in terms of the start of the universe and the end of the universe is what they show you at a planetarium and it's the start of their universe and the end of his as well. Oh, my god! I mean, it's absolutely insane. You're going to um, need to have a little brain rest after this. Bro. Yeah. But, like, I just thought the sheer... I just thought there was a lot of levels that I don't think get necessarily... Maybe they do in certain critical circles, but get the acknowledgement that they should with this film. Mm. You know, the fact that James Dean won't give up on him because he knows what it's like to have... Or at least... He thinks he knows what it's like to have no father figure. People give up on you. He, mm. You know, he's always mm. gone on his dad about giving up on him and just mm. stand up for me, dad, and he won't. Yeah. So he runs in to stand up for him. And, yeah. And, you know, he talks to him and he tries to bring him out. And and the sheer fact that the pair of them will race in to save someone of their own kind of generation, yeah, which maybe totally. the older generation won't. Well, I think this also comes back, doesn't come back to you because I'm not sure I've said it yet, but responsibility. Right, okay. Um. So... One of the things that I've written down and kind of highlighted multiple times is responsibility. Right. Because ultimately, as as the film progresses um, and we get the drag race scene where Buzz dies by going over the cliff and not bailing out of the car soon enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, James Dean's character feels incredibly responsible for this because he's the one racing him when it happens. Yeah, yeah. He goes back to the house and you can see that, you know, he's in turmoil over this and he's pretty much decided he's going to go to the police and confess everything. And his parents wake up and his parents come down and they've heard about this crash on the news and they start to talk about it. His parents are more than willing to cover this up, to stop him going to the police, to move towns. Yep. To, to do whatever they can to protect their son. His mum even says something like, well, you're not the only one that was there. Why should you be the only one that gets, you know, yeah, yeah. gets hauled in for this? Um, and you're being very idealistic. He gets told he's being very idealistic. He does. Um, and it's this lack of responsibility that <laughs> your parents are meant to encourage you to take responsibility for, the, for things that you do, yeah. e- even if they could potentially, you know, destroy your life. Um, but his parents don't want him to. But he wants to. Yeah. He wants to take responsibility. Yeah. He wants to do the right thing. And it's yeah. his parents that aren't actually encouraging him to do that. But don't you think that's typical of any parent of any generation? Yeah, I think... I and think, I don't mean they don't want kids to take responsibility, but they don't want to be held responsible. Well, I'm not sure. So what I'm saying is, is every kid in this film does what they do because of the way their parents are. 
Yes. Right. Ultimately, it's yeah, it's kind of like the and, nurture yeah. debate. Yeah. So what they're actually saying is, if you turn yourself in, everybody else was there. Why should you turn yourself in? Because it's not my fault. Yeah. It's not our fault. You're like this. Why are you going to punish us? Yeah. And I think every so they're thinking about themselves. Like I think every parent's like that, and I don't want to be rude. And I know people who are parents will be like, "Well, you wouldn't understand." But the fact is, ultimately. I don't know a single parent that would turn around and say, well, my kid's got a lot of problems. And honestly, that's probably my fault. They don't. I think it's a little harsh, if I'm honest with you. And I'm not saying it's not harsh. I'm just saying that if there is kids with problems, not yeah. every kid has problems. Yeah. It's very rare that the parent will stand up and say, you know what? Didn't have the easiest start in life. I'm yeah. not saying I'm perfect or yeah, should have yeah, been yeah. perfect. Yeah, maybe but... they don't accept the responsibility that they've played yeah. in that part. Yeah, and I part. think that's what this film's trying to say. Yeah, I think so. I think also there's the natural inclination for a parent to protect their child. So I can understand that aspect of you not wanting your kid to, you know... Because, you know, ultimately, it's not his fault that that car went over the edge of the cliff. Not at all. So no. I can understand, you know, wanting to protect your child from it. But my point is, um, it's the fact that that Jim wants to take responsibility for this. And that, for me, ties in with the end of the film, which is what you were just saying, where he wants to take responsibility for Plato. Yeah. He's he's given his hand of friendship to Plato. Plato has grabbed it and wants it more than anything and, it, and, yeah. is, and is this kind of iconic figure to him. Um, so when Plato goes completely off the rails because he has all these, um, you know, inner demons... Jim takes responsibility to look after Plato, to go in, to bring him out of the planetarium in in one piece. Yeah. That's what he tries to do. Unfortunately, it doesn't kind of happen like that. And so it's also kind of saying that this youth culture, that this new generation have this morality about them that is perhaps even stronger than the previous generation and this sense of responsibility and goodness that is taking the world in a good place. Yeah, I think so. And I think... I think that's where the the male side of it comes in. I think you pointed out, I don't know when it was exactly earlier or during this recording, that um, that obviously it was shot by men. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was predominantly male. Well, yeah. I mean, the director, Nicholas Ray, the screenplay, Stuart Stern and Irving Shulman. And Nicholas Ray also um, has got like a story credit because he'd written an original treatment which got blended yeah, with, with right. the script, yeah. I think, yeah. So maybe that's why um, it kind of, it's so male-dominated mm. or, or focused. But I do think the old traditional roles anyway, yeah. gender-wise, were coming to an end. Maybe that's what he's trying to say more because like the mother was becoming more dominant of the father. I think, you know, yeah, I think we had a long way to go before. Yeah, Natalie Wood was clearly going to do her own thing, even though her father was yeah. ignoring her and being quite abusive. Um, but I, I think a lot of it was reflective in that line at the end, which I don't know if I mentioned earlier or not, but when they're in the planetarium and he goes in to get Plato. Yeah. And he walks in and he's talking to Plato and they turn the lights on because he can't see anything. And Plato says, do you think the end of the world will come at night time mm-hmm. or at night? And Jim says, no, it will come at dawn. And I just think that that is perfect. You know, like it's not the, the end of the, the current world isn't going to fizzle out because of the old generation coming to terms with the fact they have to step back and mm-hmm. allow a new generation in. What he's saying is the new generation is coming. So the old world's going to end when that happens, rise, when yeah, young people when stand rises. up for themselves. Yeah. 
make a stand, that's when the world will end, mm. not with the old one. I just love that. I mm. thought that was really, and I've probably read way too much into it. And um, Ray will probably listen to this and he'll phone me and say like, <laughs> dude, that's genius. I didn't think that. It's totally uh, I mean, I doubt he's still alive, but yeah, maybe. You never know. Yeah, From yeah, beyond yeah. the grave, you might. Um, well, it, you know, this film was Oscar nominated, BAFTA nominated, didn't yeah. win, but no. um, yeah. Apparently sales of white T-shirts went through the roof. Yes, I read that as well. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah that's sort of icon status though, isn't it? It is. Like James it? Dean is, yeah. you know. Even I mean, though he, he is so fucking cool in this film. Yeah, he is. He is. I think he'd be hard pushed to, I mean, to not so think he was cool. I mean, so cool. I love being funny when he was sitting at the beginning of the drag race. Yeah. And he's sitting in his car and he's got his cigarette hanging out of his mouth mm. waiting to race. Mm. I thought, just... Pass me a Marlboro Light. I know. Oh, I, I oh need great! So we're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go back to smoking yeah, now. That's it. If I can, well, look we're not gonna cool. watch films ever again because if all it's gonna do is, well, wait send till we watch back. a film full of drugs. <laughs> Should I give me some cocaine? <laughs> I want heroin. Yeah, let's avoid train spotting. Yeah, maybe. But no, um, I just thought he looked so cool, and all the time, and it is because probably you're right because he's 24 and everybody else is 16, so. He, naturally comes across that but apparently he worked really hard realism was a massive thing for the director in this yeah um to the point where he even drove around with la gangs at night i mean obviously in the 50s there were different uh, kettle of fish to gangs <laughs> yeah now, i know I was these gangs are kids that, yeah. to get this real world environment yeah, this real from kind them. of sense yeah no i mean you, it, it is a classic and yeah. you can see i think it's aged in different ways. Yeah, um, it has. I think the cinematography still looks great. Phenomenal. Um, I think James Dean is still iconic. Yeah. Um, I think the pacing of the story and some of the way the plot evolves yeah. perhaps hasn't aged so well. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think for a modern audience, yeah. you know, the fact... It gets fact, saggy in places. It gets saggy in places and I think, you know... Uh, the fact that we, in apparently in the space of a day, we go from Natalie Wood not even knowing this kid to absolutely declaring her undying love for him. Yeah, but to be fair, it only took Plato 12 hours. It took him less than a day. Yeah, I suppose so. Do you know what um, I mean? Exactly. And so why did I believe Plato fell in love with him more believably yeah. than Natalie Wood did? <laughs> well, go. Natalie Woods was a bit of a switch because she was still in love with another guy exactly. until about 10 p.m. Exactly. And then by 11 p.m. she was like, I'm in love, I love you. Exactly. And she wasn't exactly mourning the death of her previous no. lover, was she? Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about was there was a few moments, yeah. at least three or four, I think, go on. where it felt like there was some additional dialogue recorded and slapped over the top of a scene. Okay. Um that looked kind of obvious because it didn't seem like any lips were moving. Okay. Did you not notice any of that? Do you mean the humming? No, no, no. no. I know the difference between humming and, and speech, Brian. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just checking because I did. Um, Which bits? Point one out. Uh, okay, so one. Um, Disagree. Next. Jim no. Jim leaves the house and yeah. his parents um, are worried about him and the dad runs down the stairs yeah, to yeah. see if he's still there. And as he's running down the stairs, he shouts back up. I think he, I think he's gone, or he says he shouts something like, yeah. "I think he's just left." The man's lips are not moving. Okay, I mean, I wasn't paying. And yeah. it happened earlier in the film with um, one of James Dean's scenes as well. Okay, um, and it was almost like they, in the edit, they looked at it and went, 
oh, we need to describe a little bit what's happening here because it's not clear. Well, that's quite possible. And like they'd yeah. thrown this ADR in and I just thought, oh, it was a bit jarring. I just wondered if you'd noticed it. I'm quite surprised you didn't notice it. No, I didn't. I'll be honest, I, I really didn't. But I think by that point, I was so wrapped up in male identity. I know. So wrapped up in it. Um, and and how it was changing yeah, throughout this you, film. You didn't even notice. No, but I just found lips it really moving or not. I thought if people watched that in the 50s when the world around them was changing mm. and the role of the male was changing. I mean, I wonder how that dad, like how Jim's dad, when he was on his hands and knees picking stuff up in an apron. I mean, so unnecessary, this apron that he was wearing. It wasn't very subtle, was it? And James Dean's going, stand up, leave it, let us see it, let know, us see it. Yeah. So you dropped like, no, it, mate, no, no. you pick it up. He, but he was like, no, no, I can't, I can't. And I just wonder how, whether that was a comical thing in the 50s, whether they thought it was funny, whether that was like really horrendous in the 50s. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know what yeah. people felt at the time. Well, I think it had a huge cultural impact, didn't it? It did, it did. But there is also the argument that the cult status came from the fact he died in a car crash a month before it was released. Well, I think... You know, a lot of people would have seen yeah. it that wouldn't have otherwise bothered. Well, probably. yeah, true. Although East of Eden had came out before this film which yes. sort of cemented James Dean yeah, as Giant as well apparently I think Giant came out afterwards though oh, I think okay. Giant came out posthumously okay. but I could be wrong on that but I think that's the case I love how educated we sound uh, I know yeah it's great it's amazing what it's Google really amazing what Google can do thanks Google um, Scholar does that still exist Google Scholar yeah yeah okay oh yeah um music Yes. You've not said anything about the music. No. And normally you're always banging on about music in films. Well, it was clearly good because I didn't really notice it. Did it? Did I you... mean, I noticed at the beginning, but I didn't really pay any attention. Yeah, so at the beginning, I thought, oh, it's giving me very much grand um, sort of 50s, almost MGM musical vibes. Yeah, yeah. Then I thought, oh, it's gone a bit Bernard Herrmann. Right. Then I thought, oh, I'm in West Side Story. Now that sounds cool that sounds maybe bad that I had all this amalgamation of different yeah. sort of things going on, but I actually think it just all gelled together and worked really well. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again. Honestly, it must I have am been, amazed. Yeah, it I'm must shocked. have done a brilliant job because you would be normally the first one banging on to me about music. Well, again, I was in tears head. worrying about my identity as a male. Well, you should be. I know it's terrible, isn't it? I've yeah. become obsessed with it. Clearly, I want to bang on about it these <laughs> days. But there you go. Listen, great film. I think we're agreed. Great freaking flick. Great freaking flick. I think we've agreed that how Biff many, Tannen's a legend. How many more Back to the Future references can yeah. we get into one podcast? I need to know how many video cassette tapes you are going to give this film out of five. It's important. It's important. Okay. Based on mainly James Dean. Yep. Um, and based on the look of the film, yeah, it's getting four VHS tapes. Wow, that's very, very fair. I will say that. Well done, you. What about you, Brian? So me, um, James Dean's performance, legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, loved it. You really are going to be in a white T-shirt with some yeah. cigarettes, cigarettes yeah. later, yeah. aren't you? Male identity issues in it that I'd not really paid attention to before, loved it. Mm-hmm. Youth culture identity issues, loved it. Back to the Future, you know, references. references, but not. I know Back to the Future was referencing it, not yeah. the other way around. Loved them. Um, really enjoyed the story. I do agree it did sag in places. It yeah. did get a little bit much in places. And I do have a little bit of an issue with some of the treatment of the female characters, as in, you know, well, you were out late, you slept. <laughs> um, 
As in, don't kiss me. I'm your father. You're too old for that shit. Yeah, he slapped her um, as well. Yeah, he did slap her as well. So I have a few issues with those old Agreed. school teachings. Agreed. Um, so I also give it four out of five. Whoa, eight VHS that tapes. Is not bad. At That's amazing. All. Episode two, and we've already hit the heady heights of eight VHS tapes combined. I know. I know. And no reasons to dump me. So that's fantastic. So so moving on, next week we'll be... <laughs> no, honestly, I am struggling to find a reason to dump you. Well, after week. all that, you know, men are scum. <laughs> I don't think you can reasonably give me any, can you? <laughs> it is difficult. It is difficult. It's very difficult. However... Oh, no. I have to give you one... One. One. Okay. And it's not really related to the film. It's more the film watching experience. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like where this is going. Why? Because I know what you're going to say and it's going to annoy me. Go on then. What do you think I'm going to say? Well, I needed to go to the bathroom. No. So is it the fact I paused it to uh, go to the bathroom? No, it's not. Okay. It's the fact that I heard a noise, looked up and you went, postman. <laughs> so, you can, so our gate, obviously the postman had left. Sinead clearly wasn't watching the film. I was watching the film. I just happened to see the postman out the corner of my eye. Yeah. Trust me, James Dean was on that screen. I was watching it. Okay, cool. No, I mean, that's that, that's the only reason. I really don't have a lot. I'm not going to make stuff up for the hell of it. I'm really not. I don't think I, you should. Otherwise, you'd be an older man in this film if you were doing that. Exactly. But, um, you know, don't go out late at night if you're a lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's no reasons at all apart from you need to just focus a little bit more. I need to focus a little bit more. Yeah, just a little bit. Holy crap. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Well, there you go. That was uh, Rebel Without a Cause and that was Reasons to Dump You. You can follow us on Instagram at reasons underscore pod. And if you've enjoyed our uh, psychotic ramblings, yes. you can uh, rate us five stars on your podcast provider. Or what the hell, rate us six stars. Go for it. Let's mm. be the first six star iPod. <laughs> yeah iPod I, I, what do they call them podcast <laughs> let's be the first six star podcast let's do it alright granddad let's do it guys we can do this together so if two of you <laughs> give us three stars each boom <laughs> that's not quite how it works oh. let's go and have a little chat about it. alright that.